speak There's a wall between us And a river so deep We keep pretending That there's nothing wrong There's a code of silence And it can't go on I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of February, 2009. Newcomers, I advise to go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and you'll find lots of talks I've given in the past, where I try to give you the shortcuts and fill in a lot of the gaps in history. The lead up to the present to show you that nothing happens by accident, and that there are very powerful people and institutions which have a, a plan it's not a conspiracy as such, it's in the open because they do publish their agenda in various old dusty books. And you'll find when you read these books, which I try to mention to you as well, that uh, much of what is happening today was predicted a long time ago by these very same people and institutions. In fact, the world has been guided through wars and through treaties into this new world order, as they like to call it. Now they're calling it globalism and various other terms, but it's all the same thing. Therefore, look into cuttingthroughmatrix.com and listen to the audios of previous shows at your heart's content. Also, look into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks, which you can print up. And they're written in the various languages of Europe. Uh, those who want to keep me going and support me, you can know, you know to go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com and buy what I have for sale there. There's not very much of it, but that keeps me just ticking over. Or you can donate as well, and the buttons are on the website to do so. As I say, nothing is by chance that's happening today. Um, I mentioned when 2001 happened that that was a kickoff to this part of the agenda. And under the Bush regime, the plan really was to internationalize the world under terrorism with treaties that were immediately signed by all countries with the same agenda where every citizen on the planet becomes a possible terrorist subject. That's why everyone's data is being collected at such incredible rates today. Everything we do is being watched and monitored. And masses of our tax money has gone into these projects to observe us nothing to do with what we thought it was all about because, as I say, 2001 was a necessary must-be operation to bring this stage about. And at the same time, you had think tanks advising governments on the coming depression that had to happen eventually and the outcomes of riots and so on. And I've talked about these in the past. This is amazing, absolutely amazing, that we go into the depression of... 1920s and 30s, you find that the big boys who pulled it off and caused it to actually happen, especially in the U.S., were pulling their money out of the stock market quietly over a three-year period. And then when everybody floundered, they bought up all the stocks for peanuts. And we found out with the same one today, with this present depression, the same thing was happening because they were pulling their money out of the, the markets, the big, big boys I'm talking about, the big players. They were taking it out over the last two to three years. Same scenario. Why change the system and the pattern if it works 
down through history. You just keep repeating it. The formula works very well. And that's what we're seeing. But more than that, as I say, you'll find that these same big bankers, the big, big bankers, there's only a few of them, that who are all connected and all know each other and have their meetings together and elect a sort of headman over them all, like a CEO, from amongst themselves. They planned what was coming up. They planned and founded the big foundations to help bring it all about into this new slavery system. Be back with more after this break.
You see, anyone will be a terrorist when you start clashing with the authorities, when you're starving. And down the road, they predict they will have starvation because it's part of the plan. It's planned that way. Here's an article from Raw Story, rawstory.com, published 21st of February 2009. Over 120,000 march on Dublin in protest of the Irish economy. It says, up to 120,000 protesters brought Dublin city centre to a standstill on Saturday over government austerity measures aimed at stabilising the once high-flying economy now racked by recession. Now remember, it was Ireland that blocked the vote. They would have ratified the final charter of the EU. And what happened right after that was that the EU claimed that the Irish meat system was completely infected with an odd chemical that should never have been there. It was actually PCBs. And it almost bankrupted the country overnight with recalls. That's what they do. You see, if you buck the system. And many top politicians said that they would keep at Ireland until they voted the correct way. You think there's no dirty tricks out there? You better believe it. There's dirty tricks. Because these are the same guys that cause wars across the planet where thousands and maybe sometimes millions of people die. No problem at all. And it says here, the demonstration came a day after the global economic crisis led to another political casualty elsewhere in Europe, with Latvia's Prime Minister quitting as his country grapples with a deepening recession. Organized by the Irish Congress of Trade Unions and featuring teachers, police, civil servants and others, the Irish protest was the first step in a rolling campaign of action, the ICTU General Secretary David Begg said. Police put the number of protesters at up to 120,000. Marchers are particularly opposed to a pension levy on some 350,000 public servants, which is designed to save about 1.4 billion euros, which is at 1.8 billion dollars this year. According to Impact, Ireland's biggest public sector trade union, the levy will cost low to middle income earners between 101,500 euros and 2,800 euros a year. So this is just the start of it, you see. It's the start of it. And you go into another article that came out in January the 22nd, and this was from Times Online, January 22nd, 2009. New age of rebellion and riot stock, Europe. Riot police clashed with protesters in Riga, Latvia. And it says Iceland has no army, no navy, no air force, but it does have riot police. Yeah, yeah, we'll have that, because they've all signed on to this. On Tuesday night, the black uniformed troopers came out to quell the latest riots in Reykjavik, which erupted in front of Parliament. The building was splattered with paint and yogurt. The crowd yelled and banged pans, shot fireworks and flares at the windows, and lit a fire in front of the main door. Yesterday, the protesters gathered again, hurling eggs at the car of Geir Hardy, the Prime Minister, and buying cans on the roof. Transformation of the Placid Island into a community of seething anger. There have been half a dozen riots in recent weeks. It's more than a regional oddity. It goes on to Riga and, Riga and Latvia. 10,000 protesters, protesters laid siege to the Latvian parliament. As hundreds of Bulgarians rallied to demand that the socialist-led government should take action or step down, 
In our second week of demonstrations and last month, the police shooting of a 15-year-old Greek boy led to days of running battles in the streets of Athens and Salonika. And then I can skip down, but it really is showing you the riots are starting across the world. That's planned. That's planned. They knew that the riots would start, and it's going to get a lot worse, an awful lot worse, as we go on with this so-called, they're calling it a depression now, of course. A depression, remember, that was sparked off with prime ministers and presidents saying to the public, we're supposed to restore confidence, because that's all the stock market ever ran on, is confidence telling the public that this depression would be worse than than the last one, the 20s and 30s. That was guaranteed to kick it off. Guaranteed. And then we have this from Brzezinski. Now, Brzezinski's been at this an awful long time. He's a technocrat, as Carl Quigley called this type. He has real power that he wields behind the scenes. He's not elected by the people. He's more important than prime ministers and presidents because he gets things done without being responsible to the public or even having to answer to the public. This is the man who helped start the wars in Afghanistan against the the Soviets, actually goading the Soviets in as part of a long-term strategy. And now he's got his boy in the White House now, and that is his boy sending 17,500 more troops over to Afghanistan because now the U.S. is fighting the Afghanis. It says here, and this is from the Finkel blog, it's called. Finkel blog. It says, Brzezinski, hell, there could even be riots. He fears class warfare. It says it could be real blood in the streets riots. Jimmy Carter's former national security advisor expressed his concern about the possibility of riots on Monday Joe today I guess it's a program. To stave them off, he proposes the creation of a voluntary national solidarity fund whose contributors will be those who made out very well in recent times. Joe Scarborough was the interviewer. He says he also talked about the possibility of class conflict. Brzezinski says, I was worrying about it because we're going to have millions and millions of unemployed. Millions and millions. People really facing dire straits. And we're going to to be having that for some period of time before things hopefully improve. And at the same time, there is public awareness of the extraordinary wealth that was transferred to a few individuals at levels without historical precedent in America. And you sort of say to yourself, what's going to happen in this society when these people are without jobs, when their families are hurt, when they lose their homes and so forth? With the government trying to repair, repair the banking system to bail the housing out, but what about the rich guys? Where is it? What are they doing? It sort of struck me that in 1907, when we had a massive banking crisis, when banks were beginning to collapse, there were going to be riots in the streets. Some financiers led by J.P. Morgan got together. Now, J.P. Morgan and Shift and a whole bunch of them were the ones who brought on the last depression by recalling loans. They brought it up. And remember, too, J.P. Morgan was part of the same CFR bunch before they called it the CFR. It was part of the Anglo-American establishment, according to Quigley. But these guys got together, the big plunderers got together. He said he locked them in his library, these big bankers at one point. 
He wouldn't let them out until 4.45am until they all kicked in and gave some money to stabilise the banks. There was no Federal Reserve at the time. Now remember, J.P. Morgan belonged to the Milner Group, Lord Alfred Milner, a British banker who was also part of this Cecil Rhodes organisation that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the American branch eventually was called the Council of Foreign Relations. He says, where's the money class today? Why aren't they doing something? The people who made billions and millions. And I'll read more from this article after the following break and you'll see how it all ties together. Superintendent David Hartshorn, 
who heads the Metropolitan Police's public order branch, told the Guardian that middle class, again here, here it is again, middle class individuals who would never have considered joining demonstrations may now seek to vent their anger through protests this year. See, this is, again, worldwide because they're all connected to all these countries and all these leaders and all these cops. And through all their data and their intelligence gathering and scouring the Internet and watching what we're all writing about, this is going to be a middle-class revolution. And that's why Mr. Bush set up the anti-terrorism bill back in 2001, and the same with Mr. Blair and all the other European countries, too, at the same time. It says here, he said that banks, particularly those that still pay large bonuses despite receiving billions in taxpayer money, had become viable targets. So too had the headquarters of multinational companies and other financial institutions in the city, in the city of capital C, that's the inner city of London where the big banks are. It's actually got sovereign status, which are being blamed for the financial crisis. It's all with Rothschilds and all those boys. Hartshorn, who receives regular intelligence briefings on potential causes of civil unrest, said the mood at some demonstrations had changed recently, with activists increasingly intent on coming onto the streets to create public disorder. Activists, you see. The warning comes in the wake of often violent protests against the handling of the economy across Europe. In recent weeks, Greek farmers have blocked roads over falling agricultural prices, a million workers in France joined demonstrations to demand greater protection for jobs and wages, and Icelandic demonstrators have clashed with police in Reykjavik. In the UK, hundreds of oil refinery workers mounted wildcat strikes last month over the use of foreign workers. Intelligence reports sluggish or suggest that known activists, known activists are also returning to the streets, and police claim they will foment unrest. These people would be good at motivating people, but they haven't had the foot soldiers to actually carry out the protest, Hatshorn said. Obviously, the downturn in the economy, unemployment, repossessions changes that. Suddenly, there is the opportunity for people to mass protest. So the spin is amongst the cops that the ordinary folk wouldn't be protesting if it wasn't for these agitators leading them, which is utter rot. It says here, it means that they're that where we would possibly look at certain events and say, yes, there'll be a lot of people there, there'll be a lot of banner waving, but generally it will be peaceful. Now we have to make sure these elements don't come out and hijack that event and turn that into disorder. In other words, the riots are going to come up and the mayhem that's going to be caused is going to be blamed on certain agitators, which will divert the problem from the problem onto the agitators. The problem being, of course, that this is a planned Great Depression. And folk are losing everything in the process. Hartshorn identified April's G20 meeting of the group of leading and developing nations in London as an event that could kickstart a challenging summer. We've got the G20 coming. I think that's been advertised in some of the sites as the highlight of what they see as a summer of rage, he said. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix and reading an article from The Guardian about the coming summer of rage as the security forces over there in Britain are calling it, but it'll all happen worldwide as well. That's why they have the big G20 meetings and so on. They discuss this kind of stuff. They discuss this kind of stuff at the Bilderberger groups and the CFR meetings and so on. They know what's coming because they bring it on. And this article goes on to say, from this guy at Hart's Horn, it says, his comments are likely to be met with disappointment by protest groups who in recent weeks have complained that police are adopting a more confrontational approach at demonstrations. Officers have been accused of exaggerating the threat posed by activists to justify the use of resources spent on them. Police were said to have been heavy-handed at Greek solidarity marches in London in December and last month at protests against Israel's invasion of Gaza. In August, 1,000 officers, helicopters and riot horses were drafted to Kent from 26 UK police forces to oversee the climate camp demonstration against the King's North Power Station. Massive operation to monitor the protesters cost £5.9 billion pounds million pounds, I should say, but what's, what's a million or a billion these days, and resulted in 100 arrests. But in December, the government was forced to apologize to Parliament after the Guardian revealed that its, that its claims that 70 officers had been hurt in violent clashes were wrong. So they lied. But what's new, eh? What's new? You know, in Britain now, they passed a law that the cops can charge you if you try to photograph them as they're photographing you. And you can't photograph police stations either. Because that, that you could be a terrorist, you see, that wants to uh, figure out the entranceways and so on into that particular police station. But yeah, you can't photograph the cops as they bash your brains in. This is a law they're bringing out. In the UK too, starting in Ireland, then into the rest of Britain, they can bring you back as many times as they want for the same offence in court. And if you're found guilty over and over, it doesn't matter. They'll keep bringing you back and keep changing the juries until they get the verdict under the guise that if there's any suspicion of jury intimidation, then whatever verdict is ruled is null and void. So they arrest you again for the same charge, pull you in, get new jurors until they get it right. That's basically how it goes. And we think we're a free country. Who's kidding who? We've never been free. This article goes on to say, however, Hartshorn insisted potentially there will be more industrial actions. History shows that some, some of those disputes uh, and whopping the miners' strike have caused great tensions in the community and the police have had difficult times policing and maintaining law and order. Both extreme right-wing and extreme left-wing elements are looking to use the fact that people are out of jobs to galvanize support, he said. So they're going to put into a, a class warfare scenario. It's not the depression. It's not the fact that folk are broke or losing their homes is a problem. It's really political agitators at the bottom who are going to be at fault. And they're telling you now how they're going to portray it to the public when it actually happens. This is what this article is all about. It's getting you ready. It's a form of predictive programming, including giving you the opinions, setting you up for the opinion that you're left with when the TVs show you them rioting. A particularly worrying development was the re-emergence of individuals involved in the violent fascist organization Combat 18, he said. 
They're using the fact that there's been a lot of talk about Eastern European people coming in and taking jobs on the Olympic sites, he said. They're using those types of arguments to look at getting support. It's, an, it's, a, it's interesting looking at it from the cops' point of view, if you understand police mentality and their indoctrinations. Because it wouldn't matter if you were starving in the streets, as long as you starve peaceably and quietly, they think everything is quite normal. That's how the police see things. You either obey and be passive, but if you ever, ever riot about anything, you're a criminal. That's how, it's how simple it is in the, in the minds of policemen. How simple it is. They're, they're paid to keep the peace. And if folk just starved quietly to death, uh, they'd be quite happy with that. They say they're doing a good policing job. Millions starve to death. That, that's good. That's good for police morale. But you tie this in again, as I say, with the new age of rebellion that I've read. Uh, and an article from the Raw Story on the march in Dublin. Brzezinski's predictions for what's coming up. He tied it in with the, the, what I read, as I say, on the 21st of November, 08, going to the auto section, cutting through matrix.com, to do with the, the think tanks for the military. They talked about 30 years of riots. Before this crash came, remember, they were already saying this was going to happen. And it all suddenly comes together, doesn't it? Here's an article that may not think ties in, but it absolutely does. BBC News, 18th of February, 2009. Colleges on extremist signs watch. College staff are being urged to be vigilant for students who access extremist material on the Internet or use extremist graffiti symbols. Now, I've told you before that the rubbish about terrorism is just that. It's rubbish. It's a, it's a cover for what's going to happen and starting to happen now. And everyone, as I say, who looks at anything to do that's anti-establishment, especially this establishment, is going to be classified as a terrorist. Even reading the material on the New World Order means you're a terrorist. So, the college staff are being urged to be vigilant for students who access extremist material on the internet or use extremist graffiti symbols. Guidelines are being sent to further education colleges in England to try to prevent students becoming drawn to violent extremism and terrorism. Skills Secretary John Denham, Denman, or Denham said the toolkit, that's all these toolkits to indoctrinate teachers, come toolkits, would facilitate open debate. Similar guidelines have already been issued to primary and secondary schools as well as to universities. Primary schools, that's when you're going at five years of age. The government guidance caused controversy with some academics saying the government was asking them to spy on their students. Well, they've done that before. It's, not, it's the same thing, too, during the Cold War. I mean, the universities had professors there who, who recruited people for spies. For, for all sides. And everyone knew it. Everyone knew which, which professor was recruiting for the communist side and which one was recruiting for the CIA side. Everyone knew this. Because they always cover both sides. So they're asking them to spy on their students again, teachers. 
government said FE institutions had a particular role to play as they were often at the heart of local communities and served students from a diverse range of ages and backgrounds. And ministers believe colleges can play a major role in promoting community cohesion and integration. Now, the same BBC, and I read the article a couple of months ago or less, where they said that the big multicultural experiment had failed, totally failed. Personally, I've got my own opinions on the whole multicultural experiments. Because I could never figure out why, when countries were going through depressions or recessions, as I like to call it in the past, they would open the doors wide to immigration for people who couldn't get any jobs. And I realized then they were setting up the, the chessboard for the future, which is now. Chaos must be produced to bring out a new world order system. Total chaos. And it was planned this way a long time ago. But here this article is going back to colleges can play a major role in promoting community cohesion and integration. Free and open debate. The guidelines say colleges must work with their local communities to develop a resilience to ideologies that promote hatred and violence. Now this is all to do not with what you think is to do with the violence in the streets that's going to happen. That's been predicted by the think tanks for the military, who put out about 60 to 100 odd pages on this coming violence. So they're going to use it the, the teachers at school to spy out the ones who may take to the streets. Guidance says education in a democracy should encourage each issue to be critically discussed and debated in its own merits with proper intellectual and ethical rigor. The education system in democracies is to do with indoctrination and dumbing down in political correctness, according to the regime at the top. That's what it's about. Because education should be giving you the ability to survive when you leave school. Not indoctrinating you politically or with, 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 with the all the politically correct attitudes. That's social engineering. That's not education. That's a Sovietization. That's what that is. It says here it should also promote the rights of citizens to lawful protest. So get a permit and go out and say, please help us in the middle of a depression. That's what you're supposed to do. Get a, get a, a lawful certificate, a license to demonstrate and be very, very good and ask all these boys at the top to have their international meetings to be, to be nice to you. And they'll all love you for it. And so will the police and the government. So the handout addresses how staff and students can create space for free and open debate and break down segregation between different student communities. Well, that won't happen. Because even the Council of Rome as part of the excuse for bringing in a, a collectivist system, which is a Sovietized system, said in their book, The First Global Revolution, when they said they promoted the collectivist or communist system. So there are too many different factions in society, in a democracy, and they would never get anything done. There would always be conflict. So therefore, democracy was something of the past. Margaret Thatcher said the same thing. created communities 
They've told every group to keep their own ethnic identity. They've put them all separate in their own parts of cities across the world because they wanted they wanted a keg that could get blown up at the right time, a tinderbox. That's why. Long ago, this was the strategy. Order out of chaos. And it's not the ethnic's fault either because they were encouraged to come in at times when there was no work for them. Why would you do that? It says here, how to provide support and advice to vulnerable individuals is also addressed. And advice reinforces the role of staff in preventing extremism as well as ensuring campuses are free from bullying and intimidation. Behaviors and signs to watch out for include graffiti symbols or artwork. I've never seen a, a university across the planet that doesn't have graffiti symbols and artwork. They promote all kinds of things. And here it says that promote extremist messages. Well, that's a very broad term, isn't it? Extremist messages. Because just like the Terrorism Act, they keep adding new definitions to it all the time until all crime is now terrorism. Students accessing extremist material online, so they're spying on everything, every site you look into. Parents reporting changing in a student's behavior. Maybe the student's getting a bit brighter and surpassing the parent's understanding of reality. Maybe that's what they mean by that. Friendships or actions and students voicing opinions based on extremist ideas. Define extremist. The guidance specifically highlights the threat to the UK from groups influenced by Al-Qaeda, this big, this big mystical nothing that was invented by the West, Al-Qaeda, which the government judges to be the main terrorist threat at this time. For another farce, I've gone through the power of nightmares, and it's on my website too from the last few talks I've given. Go through that series, and you'll never see the, the, the life the same way again. And how they grabbed this bogey Al-Qaeda. You know, Al-Qaeda was just a term for loose networks. It actually was a meeting place for, for the radio where different factions and different groups, all getting funded by the CIA, would go in to meet, just like, a, like a cyberspace, basically. That's what it was. It also mentioned dissident Irish Republican groups, as well as some racist and fascist organizations. And, uh, do they mean the Bilderbergers, maybe? I don't think so. Reflection of society, Mr. Denham said the advice was wide-ranging, no kidding. The toolkit covers guidance about people who seem to be trying to impose their views on others, perhaps through intimidation, or people who might be accessing materials on the Internet which look as though they might be illegal or inappropriate. What on earth is inappropriate? He said the advice was not meant to suggest Extremism in colleges was a major problem, but added that colleges reflect what's there in the rest of society. Does that mean we're all extremists? Of course it does. We were all potential terrorists. In fact, we're all unstable, apparently, according to the Psychiatric Association. They need experts to guide us all, which is too simple and childish. We've never grown up, you see. Think about it. It's amazing how these articles are written, isn't it? Amazing. Whether we're talking about some kind of the international terrorism that we've seen, whether we're talking about animal rights extremism, because these things exist in a wider society, they will turn up in FE colleges. President of the Association of Colleges, David Collins, said, 
college leaders take their role in the community very seriously, so any support in promoting better relations or help tackling extremist activity is very welcome. So there you are. That's how they're getting us all ready for the riots. Now, in the, the think tanks that work for the government, for the intelligence agencies, for the military, that, as I mentioned a few times tonight, they said that these riots are going to get so bad, and they're all prepared for it using all these high-tech weapons and so on, but they also talked about flash mobs. Flash mobs. And how with text messaging, etc., uh, they can bring together a, a flash mob in no time at all, anywhere. But they're also saying that if things get out of hand, they'll actually use neutron bombs. That's in the report for the military in the Western Hemisphere. It's astonishing. It, it truly is utterly astonishing. Astonishing. You just, you just can't get away from this. And here's, just to finish this off, here's a, from the Royal Bank of Scotland. To show, maybe to see why people are becoming extremist. Saturday, the 8th of February, 2009. Royal Bank of Scotland to pay staff £1 billion in bonuses. This is after they got the bailout. The Royal Bank of Scotland is proposing to pay close to £1 billion in bonuses to its staff just months after it was rescued by a £20 billion taxpayer bailout, the Sunday Telegraph can reveal. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix and tying things together once again for the people to show you that nothing just happens and how contingency plans as they like to call them are made years before any events do actually occur. That's why they needed 9-11 in 2001. Bush set up the machinery for literally controlling the public across the country, same in Canada and across Europe as well at the same time for what's happening today. That's the real reason for it. And they use terrorism as the guise. Now they're trying to make it into a class warfare that's coming left against right to divert attention once again to the real causes. The big banking boys, the boys who had their money gambled in the casino of the stock market, they were all paying for. Crime really pays if you're a banker, obviously. You can rip off billions from your customers and you can also get paid on top of that by the taxpayers via the government's what a wonderful deal, isn't it? Fantastic. How can you lose? Back to this article from the Royal Bank of, about the Royal Bank of Scotland from the Telegraph to pay staff one billion pounds in bonuses. And it says to its staff, just months after it was rescued by a twenty billion pound taxpayer bailout, the Sunday Telegraph can reveal. Is this why folk are getting angry, do you think? By Mark Kleinman, it says, city editor, and Patrick Hennessy, political editor. February the 8th, 2009. The bank's board has begun discussions about the bonuses with UK financial investments, the body set up by the Treasury to manage the government's shareholdings in Britain and, and their ailing banks. The scale of the plan is led to increase public anger as the recession deepens the recession and add to the frustration of ministers it comes as Alistair Darling, 
The Chancellor announces in the Sunday Telegraph today his plans for an independent review of the way banks are managed, including the bonus system. Now, it's not all the staff that gets the bonus. It's a few at the top. The review which ministers hope will address voters' concerns about big payments to executives will examine the roles of directors and institutional investors and study how British banks compare with overseas institutions. What a waste of time. What a waste of time. Like, I don't know. <laughs> because all the big banks you see are international already. Why would you compare it with overseas institutions? Since we cannot return to business as usual, writes Mr. Darling in this newspaper, it is in everyone's interest to get banks' governance right. No kidding. No kidding. It would be wrong to reward people whose excessive risk-taking, risk-taking, thievery, <laughs> brought the banks down, causing misery to millions of their customers. Success should be rewarded. Well, I guess these bankers were successful in ripping off their customers because the government's rewarding them. It's all doublespeak, isn't it? The Chancellor will announce the detailed terms of reference of the review and its chairman tomorrow. In an attempt to appease ministers, RBS has indicated that no individual banker will receive a bonus with a cash element of more than £25,000 under its plans. That's the one still to come. They can pay what they want to them in bonuses right now until it's made up, you see, until the new plans are made up. Same thing happened in the States. No one is overseeing the massive golden parachutes they're handing these boys for being winners in banking terms. It's just astonishing. But so you can see how things are being geared up towards not, not a depression, not, not caused by bankers. It's going to be a class warfare. And extremists from universities are going to cause it. Nothing to do with the system. Of course not. And go back to sleep and snore. And keep the police happy. Well, I can hear the music coming in. So from Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.